Stop breathing. Oh my god. Out of a swamp and into the storage closet. December 9, 2023. This is episode 45 of Saturday Night Lit. Lit, lit, lit. This is Captain Brunch. And hanging out in the corner, moving faders around. It's Jim. Oh, that's the wrong fader. There we go. All right. How's it going, chimp? Good job. So you have a chimp can do it. Anyone can do it. That that intro music is still way too loud, though. (laughs) What's going on? Don't worry. The compressor brings it down later. The compressor brings it down later. I've got it plugged into my ears. I know how loud it's supposed to sound. Welcome back, Brunch. We are in the storage closet. Yes, we are indeed. And it is indeed still a storage closet. (laughs) It hasn't been touched yet. Where did our miner go? It's in the main room. Even the miner left the storage closet, but no, podcast hosts, we're still here in the storage closet. Yeah, the miner's supposed to be in the storage closet. I don't know who let the miner out. Miner, get back in here. <laughs> yeah, you know miners, they have a mine of their own. We are, of course, talking about a Bitcoin miner. Oh. An S9 that we mentioned. Is that her name? <laughs> S9. <laughs> yes, this is how we do it over here at Saturday Night Lit in Miami, where things so are- It's been a while. It hasn't been that long. It's been two weeks. It's felt like forever. It's been a while since you've, we've uploaded an episode. Well, so for anyone who doesn't want to get straight so to that, for anyone who doesn't listen live, then yes, it's been a while. It's been uh, like more than a month. Want to get straight into that? No, I'm not trying to get straight into that. But you, you're the one who said it's been a while. It's been two weeks. Trying to enjoy some pineapple. please. Yeah, some pineapple that I brought for you. Yes. Yeah, so we did spend some time before the show. That's why we started late today. If you don't listen live, you won't be able to tell, but yeah, so we got all the episodes up. Let's, let's basically pull up. chimp told me that I could come in early and then if I came in early to pick him up, we would spend some time and upload all the episodes. So we, all we did was just make sure that there was no like absurd popping or anything like that. We didn't really do any other kind of editing, which is good. Um, makes it clean and quick. Clean and quick. Where is it? Okay, sorry. I'm trying to bring this thing up. And we had some, uh, you know, some good episodes. So we up, we uploaded the episode with Derek Farscapian, um, you know, where he talked about the lightning LARP and lightning prisms. And well, we fixed data hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, you Wait, fixed. Reserve. You, <laughs> you fixed data hors d'oeuvres. I, I didn't put an S there, so it's hors d'oeuvre. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't think that's how it's pronounced anyway. I mean, I, I, like it, that's how it's spelled, but. Anyway, so because like I think the whores is the, <laughs> is the plural. <laughs> no, yeah, but you would still. I mean, there has to be an S here. I don't know. Anyway, so so we uploaded an episode called Sovereign Stack. Then we uploaded. What's the next episode? Then we uploaded. Can you scroll up? I mean, are you paying attention to what I'm saying? No. <laughs> okay. So then we uploaded an episode called Philharmonica. Then we time had has time no has no value. value. Taste test. And then Chinese Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then I'm hoping you tell us your Chinese Thanksgiving story. Okay. So like once upon a time, I was a student at New College of Florida, um, 2005. And I was stuck in a uh, dormitory room with two other guys. And one of them was this really nice guy named Mike Lee. And he was Chinese. So he invited me because I guess maybe he asked me if I had any Thanksgiving plans and I did not have any Thanksgiving plans. 
I'm not really a big holiday person. So he invited me to do Thanksgiving at his place and he was having a Chinese Thanksgiving. So it's just kind of funny that you uh, also had a, you know, like you recently had a Chinese Thanksgiving, but then I didn't tell this story. Hold on. What is a Chinese Thanksgiving? Like it's just when Chinese people do Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Cause that's not what my definition of a Chinese Thanksgiving was. What's your definition? We ate Chinese for Thanksgiving. Oh, <laughs> I must not have been paying that much attention. It's okay. <laughs> I was at work and, you know, you guys had Chinese for Thanksgiving. Everything was closed. And yeah. The office. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, so, so th- mine was an actual Chinese Thanksgiving. <laughs> so it was like, it was a big Chinese family and they made a bunch of food that they would normally eat. Like it wasn't, you know, so they had Turkey, but they made it in like a Chinese style, you know, like they didn't really do um, too many American style things. And so that was really cool. It was just a really fun to eat a bunch of like authentic Chinese food that, you know, I'd probably never really had food like that before. And also Mike's mom was, um, I mean, she probably still is, I'm sure, um, an an acupuncturist and also like a traditional Chinese medicine physician. So like I had a a headache at one point during my time with them and she did a little bit of uh, acupuncture on my head. That was kind of cool. I've always wanted to do some more acupuncture because it doesn't hurt and it's just kind of pleasant, you know, like it's weird. So I want to try that again someday. My friend's an acupuncturist, but really, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much I want these giant needles she talks about being put into my base of my neck. Yeah. But if she's willing to do it to me. Like you could watch. Yeah. You want to watch? Like right on a discount? Table. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it on the table. That's fine. As long as oh I, I, mean, I just want a discount. Sandra, if you're listening to is, this, which I know you're not. Stuff is not cheap. I have a client for you. It's not cheap. He's so, rich. <laughs> oh, wow. Talk about He's misinformation. Misinformation. I'll let so, her know. So I've got some interesting. So I know you have a oh, lot wow. you want to talk about, bro. Oh, wow. And you're already, you're going to cut me. I didn't even let me get a little bit into it. You're I just know gonna... you want to have, you have a lot to talk about. You've been talking about this long list that's been growing. Uh-huh. And I want to present to you a chimp challenge. Oh God. Not the music kind. I know. You said you had a different kind of challenge. It seems to be like some sort of time For based. our audience, for our audience, they, they didn't hear it. So. Okay. The chimp challenge is put your list away. Oh no. And do it by memory. Whatever comes up, comes up. Whatever doesn't, next episode. That's what I've done so far though. All right, so close the laptop. For the I can't close the laptop. This it's is how really we're easy uploading. Watch. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is how we're uploading. What a dick. Get rid of your list though. Oh, get rid of my list. I mean, it's just the thing is the list like Do it live. It is live. Do it lit. Anyway, so I have news. Okay. <clears throat> Are you expecting? I'm always expecting. Um, so I got messaged by, uh, the owner of Naomi's garden where I do Bitcoin brunch and yeah, right. It was a pretty like nonchalant message, but he was, he was basically like, Hey, um, we're like the restaurant got rented out for this event next week. There's going to be a lot of people there. Um, like it's totally cool if you do brunch like normal, but, um, you know, you just, I just wanted to let you know because you guys, Like, you know, sometimes you guys do something a little bit bigger and that's really not going to be possible next week. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever, that's fine. I don't really care. Um, But, you know, something was kind of nagging me or preoccupying me. Like, what, what is this event that got, (laughs) you know, it got rented there? It's Art Basel week, you know, a lot of people from out of town. Like, I wonder what's going on. So I ended up finding out that it is, in fact, a like web 
three crypto fucking bullshit. I was just going to say, this was, I bet there's going to be a crypto <laughs> So That's funny. Yeah, it's really that's funny. That's really funny. Um, so the just to just, uh, say that again, the place that's been hosting Bitcoin brunch. Yeah, for over 120 weeks. <laughs> You know, they're, they're going to have some, you know, the maxi lo- stronghold, <laughs> but it's not a max. That's the thing though. Right. It's like, I mean, so I'm, I'm having to struggle with this feeling, right. Of like, okay, do I want to host this event and then have all of these other people there? And then, you know, like the more I think about it and the more it's like sitting in my stomach and it's like turning my stomach over. Really the biggest issue I have is not so much that it's a crypto event, although I hate that. But it's the fact that I know that there's going to be like three times more people there for the crypto event and they're going to be loud and they're probably going to have like music or people speaking on on microphones, on the speakers and stuff. So basically it's going to completely change the tone of what Bitcoin brunch normally is. And that's really what bothers me. You know, like at, at, at the restaurant, like if they ever sometimes they'll turn on music, which is fine, but like they'll turn it on too loud and then I'll get super annoyed and I will physically go up to the mixer and or like, don't have live music. Remember those those violinists? But that was that was like intentional. Like I that they were brought like to perform for us. The violinists? Yeah. Oh. Specifically for brunch? Yeah. For uh, the lightning market event that we were having that day. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. So anyways, so I was like really, you know, I was kind of going back and forth on the issue, but what I was going to do and maybe it was it yet. Yeah. It was this morning. I just decided, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to change the location. Wow. Yeah. So tomorrow, obviously most people are going to hear this in the future, but I'm going to be moving Bitcoin brunch for one, one, uh, Good thing I didn't invite Luke to Bitcoin brunch. Hey, come tomorrow. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Um, yeah, moving it to Bitcoin Grove to Made at the Citadel. And uh, I rented a little space. If we if we have, end up having a lot of people, like I can just rent one of the other spaces because it's just a fucking app. Excuse my language. It's just an app on the phone. So I just go to the app and I can reserve one of the, one of the, the spaces. So the one I got is for 15 people. But if like... 20 people show up, then I can rent one that's for 25 people. And if more people show up, I can rent the one that's for 45 people. (laughs) And so, you know, um, I'm just going to play it by ear tomorrow and let's see what happens. There's supposedly a lot of people in town for Art Basel. um, So that might be, you know, we might get some attendance coming for that. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of concern about people who are not going to get any of the messages. I mean, I changed the address on Eventbrite. I changed the address on Meetup. I sent emails to all of the followers on both of those websites. I put messages all over Telegram. I mean, I don't really know how else to like warn people. Oh, I think it's the most effort you've put <laughs> yes, toward Bitcoin Yes, it's so <laughs> much effort. This is what like, like this is what people don't get, understand. Like Art was asking me like, was it Art? Someone was asked, no, it was Giancarlo. He's like, you know, what are you going to do about the people who don't pay attention? I'm like, I don't know. What the fuck do you want me to do? Like, I can only do so many things. Like, I don't, I don't, Language. I'm trying not to work hard on this. Trying not to work hard. <laughs> the American <laughs> motto, <laughs> trying not to work hard. I mean, I work hard on too many things, so I'm not trying to work hard on this, like to add another thing to my list. So I hear you. Well, so, I mean, can you post somebody at? At Naomi's Garden? I'm not even... Like, it's, sit it's, there and be br- like, br- hey, guys. Bitcoin Brunch is a proof-of-work event. So if you show up and you don't find us, and then you don't, like, put some effort to try to find us... You can invite... What's his name? Mark? 
to, to hang out and tell, <laughs> redirect people to. Oh gosh, why, 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 why do you have to go there? Why do you even have to go there? Wait, hold on. Where's my thing? There you go. Uh. <laughs> anyway, so next on the listing your head. Oh wow, you're just like totally dismissing that topic. You had no. Well, what else do you have? Obviously, to say? you have so nothing to say. It's gonna be here, uh, which I mean, eventually it it had to happen. You've been talking about it happening. Yeah, and this is kind of and so you know we um across the street they do have a cafe. It's not cheap. It's pretty expensive, but that's right. The food and damn. But then but then there's the free coffee, right? Like there's the free cold brew. Let's see how much you know. Like I don't know if there's enough, but but it's free. Um. And then, you know, we will have like the hot brew in the future, but just tomorrow we're not going to have the hot brew because Natalia's got some event in the morning. Um, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. If it goes well, like it might, you know, it might be a potential, um, you know, permanent change. Like we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm going to guess it's going to suck for the first couple of brunches, but like it's going to. Why would it suck? Just because it's going to be different and you're going to lose out on the food and you're going to lose out on people who just don't know, but I think that's going to push it to have brunch become its next, have Bitcoin brunch go into its next phase. Yeah. Like this is not my final form. (laughs) (laughs) Post Naomi. Uh, What does the future hold for Bitcoin brunch? Yeah. What does the future hold for Bitcoin brunch? We'll see. I mean, on Tuesday I'm having a meeting with Jay and our lawyer about the, nonprofit organization that we're trying to start. I think I'm settling on the name time chain foundation and time chain dot foundation was available. So I went ahead and bought that uh, licensed, excuse me. I licensed that, uh, URL. Hold on. So Panda missed the first part. So it's not that he's moving brunch out of Naomi's is that they're having a shit coin event. I mean, he knows they're having the event cause he saw oh. it earlier. Okay. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, I'm moving it tomorrow and I don't know if it's going to be permanent, but it just kind of depends on how things go. I mean, because like I can just go back to Naomi's the next Sunday, but if things happen to go very well at, you know, at this new spot, then that would be cool too, because then it's going to be kind of, um, like reinforcing, uh, Bitcoin Grove as a Bitcoin landmark by coalescing it with Bitcoin brunch, which was my attempt, you know, to like do a Bitcoin landmark. And it's Bitcoin brunch is not about people. It's about, I mean, it's not about the place. It's about the people. It's about the community. Excuse me. Bitcoin brunch is not about people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not about like like the random people, I suppose. It's, um, it's, and it has a good point. uh, and you smoke here. Oh my God. Do we, like we're indoors right now. So obviously not indoors, but I don't know. You could walk outside. Like there's what, why'd you mute me? There's, what? <laughs> there's plenty of outside, right? So people can go outside if they wanted to smoke. Yeah. But there's always someone rolling up at brunch. I mean, they can roll up inside and then they can go outside to smoke. I don't understand what's like, Chill out, people. Just chill out. Like things, there are more important things to life than smoking. And hey, so I don't smoke. And but so I'm just so uh, I'm I'm here representing the people who do smoke. And yeah, but if if if, some, if that's like such an important part of your like socializing, then maybe brunch is really not the event for you, and you need to find another, um, you know, another event. It's just nature, man. It's just nature. It's just nature. Yeah, but it's look. <laughs> 
continue. <laughs> next, next thing. Next thing. So I have an update on my apprenticeship. Um, as people know, I've been in apprenticeship for the last two years. Did you contact Linda Lupacken? No, not yet. <laughs> maybe in the future. Maybe. Definitely. Maybe. You should. Possibly. Maybe. Um, so my class is ending this month. We've got, I think, two more classes to go in this HVAC uh, thing that we're doing right now. And then that will be the end of the course. However, so I, I have enough of, of like class hours to satisfy that part of the requirements to graduate for the apprenticeship. But there is also a work hours requirement, which is 4,000 hours. And if you were to work full time, 50 weeks a year, or let's say like if you also worked overtime, et cetera, then you would get about 2000 hours a year. And then after two years, you'd have 4,000 hours. However, you know, I am not. Who's actually logging all of that? I mean, we you have, have an file? every month. I have to send a, a calendar with all of my hours yeah. signed by like a manager or something like that. Oh. Okay. So anyways, so you know, it's for, so again, so for someone who worked full time for 50 weeks for two years, they would have 4,000 or more hours. However, I am not the most, <laughs> uh, however, I am not the most, um, I don't know how to say it, like subservient employee. I think that's the right word that I want to use. I'm not the most subservient employee in the world. To call back to an earlier episode, your Latin American comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Take a little break here and there for weeks at a time. Uh, no, that's not quite what it is. I mean, like, so for instance, uh, you know, I attended that week long NMEA conference. So that was, that was 40 hours that, that, that got discounted. You know, like I, I, I do things, I have a life and I also don't like to, um, be doing nothing at work. So oftentimes on days when there wasn't a lot to do, I would leave early. So out of the 4,000 hours that I'm supposed to have, I have a little under 3,700 hours. Okay. It's not too bad. So or was it 3,600 hours? So a couple more months. No, it's a little under 3,400. So I have to make up 600 hours, which is about, <laughs> which is about like four or five months. Okay. So what does that mean? Well, so that means that I'm not going to get my certificate until I finish that. Okay. So. Which, you know, so it's just, that's the update. The update is that I now know that so even though it would have been nice to get my certificate this month or next month, I'm not going to get it probably till, till next, you know, early next summer. So long story short, due to your lazy nonchalant approach to work, <laughs> I wouldn't say lazy. Have, you end due up having to, to work my more. Nonchalant. I'm not going to say lazy. Okay. I'm not lazy. I'm nonchalant. Yes. You know, well, if, okay. So let me, uh, because I do work hard. Like when I work, I, of course, of course, I'm, <laughs> I'm just yanking your, your anchor, whatever you call it. Um, so what if you knew this ahead of time, would you have, work those hours or would you still have said, fuck it? No, I mean, I don't really know what, what much different I could have done because like, as I mentioned earlier, like I don't like, um, I don't like feeling like my time is being wasted, you know, even if I'm getting paid, right? Like you're paying me, but I'm not doing anything that feels relevant or worthwhile. So I would leave early a lot. So, you know, to me, I know that all those hours I worked were more or less, like good solid hours. Like I earned those hours. Those hours represent time that I was 
putting in work and, and building up my knowledge and experience in the industry. Whereas if I would have not gone home early on those days, then I would have all these stupid extra hours that like were just nothing that were just, you know, me cleaning my tools over and over again or sweeping. So, you know, so like, no, I don't think I would have done anything differently, but it would have been going towards something, but I'm still going in that direction. And it's, it's, it's not as though I was planning to quit my job in January. It's just, just that I, it's just that the ending of the apprenticeship would change, you know, it would like change the the calculations a little bit about what I could do with my time and career. And when you would leave home early, what would you do with that time? I mean, I do what I always do. Like I try to watch my YouTube playlists, you know, like right now I've got like a 57 uh, video playlist and because I spent the whole week watching a TV show called The Lazarus Project, which is a sky, sky, you know, Sky Network um, sci-fi show, which that's old, right? <clears throat> no, it's the second uh. season. Um, I love to hate this show because this is one of the only shows I've ever watched where they created a completely reprehensible protagonist where like you just hate this guy, but for some reason all those things that he's doing that makes you hate him, like keep the plot interesting. And so whatever. So I just destroyed this two season series in a week. And so that like made me fall behind on my videos. And so whatever, like, cause that's what I do. I do on my free time. It's like, I do a lot of watch a lot of videos, which are mostly, as I said before, educational, nonfiction, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> well, since you had a media update, I saw the boy and the heron last night. The what? The boy and the heron. Is this like the miner that's in the in the the main room over there? <laughs> yeah, the 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 miner found a heron. <clears throat> it's the it's an late, anime. It's the latest Miyazaki film. Ah. Probably his last, but I mean, it's been it's been in production since like 2016, and then when COVID happened, everything slowed down. Um, didn't expect what I watched. Um, the only way I could kind of describe it was like the Japanese Alice in Wonderland. Oh. Very fantastical, very, I'm like, his, his movies are always like, what's the word, laden or laden? Laden, right? Uh-huh. With, with meaning. So I definitely want to watch it again because I feel like there's some, a layer I missed. But overall it was pretty good, I would say. Uh, but definitely fantastical. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of drives your mind crazy at some point. Yeah, cool movie. And can you say anything more about it other than the Japanese Alice in Wonderland? Um, no. I mean, I'm glad Miyazaki is <laughs> still doing films. Like, okay, since like the '70s, he's been doing films. It's crazy. We're in 2023, almost 24. So I have another career update that's kind of interesting, and it's one of these things that maybe talking about it is jinxing it, but. I'm not superstitious, so I don't care. Well, I will say something what? about the, the Heron movie. Yes, please. Uh, their approach to this movie was a little different in terms of marketing. They barely did any marketing. Like it wasn't pushed very, very hard in Japan or in, in the rest of the world. Huh. And it's like their highest grossing film. Like e- even more. Interesting. Than, like, you know, not out, out of all time, but out of Miyazaki films, uh, Studio Ghibli, it, would, it surpassed the last one. It, it did really, really well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of industry insiders are like, oh shit, <laughs> no, no marketing yet. It did really good. So it's like, 
So marketing is wasteful, basically. Right. Yeah, that's what we, I mean, it's what like <laughs> podcasters know. already know. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So actually, so before I go into this other professional update, then I wanted to bring up, well, should I bring up this thing? I'm probably going to have a clip so we could talk about it again when I bring up the clip someday. But, you know, Adam Curry has been talking about, I think he's mentioned it on both No Agenda and on the podcasting 2.0, that CPM clicks per mill is a race to zero. You know, that basically there is no um, shortage of, of real estate on the internet. So there is no reason for ads to cost anything because you can always find someplace to put your ad. And so the kind of strange idea, and I mean, I hate to give us more work, but I had this interesting idea. I was like, we could, and this is kind of a way to collaborate with other podcasts and other communities is that at the end of our show, at the end, um, like, you know how no agenda does their, their no agenda show mixes, end of show mixes, instead of doing an end of show mix, I'm suggesting like we can have whatever outro we have. And then after the outro, we play a bunch of ads for like things that we find interesting, not, not businesses, but like podcasts, you know, so we could allow podcasts to do a free ad at the end of our show. Cause I mean, if CPM is going to zero, like let's just give ads away then but at the end of the show. So it doesn't like interrupt the flow, but it could just kind of be like a nice little feature that at, after our show, then we can have like, you know, maybe five minutes of just random, you know, like maybe Bitcoin meetups, maybe, um, you know, like interesting podcasts, like whatever. And then we can even solicit them and be like, Hey, like, can you send us an ad that we can play on our show for free? And then it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just, that, that, that would be kind of interesting. What do you think? I like that idea, especially if we, it's ads at the end, not at the start. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we like actively promote it, you know, like we may talk about it on the show, but then like, Hey, by the way, if you're interested in that, there is going to be an ad at the end. Yeah. So we could just mention like, oh, okay. And then after, after the show we've, we're featuring, you know, like this podcast and that podcast. So check, you know, listen to their ad and see if you want to listen to that. Or, you know, if you want to check out this or, you know, I just thought it's kind of cool. Like a way to, you know, value for value in a sense. Now, I mean, I hope they're good ads, not like crappy ones. Obviously, we'll vet the ads okay, first. Like if the ad sure, sucks, if the sure. ad just sucks. I mean, we Nothing can also like obvious. do like a critical thing, like where we can review the ads too afterwards, like the next <laughs> week or something. Podcast ad critic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the career update. So I got called into the office the other day. I think it was mm. Thursday. And, uh, you know. No one ever likes getting called to the office, and it's like, what you know, what, what do they there want an, from is me? Is there an intercom? No. Rem leave Arvosa to the office. <laughs> okay, thank you, Chimp. So, um, no, we have radios. Oh, <laughs> so on the radio, I'll hear like Captain Brunch, come in, Captain Brunch, <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, go ahead. This is Captain Brunch. I'm like Captain Brunch, can you please come to the office, please? Okay. I'll be right over there. So I go to the office and then the first thing they said is like my, uh, my manager says problems <laughs> like, uh, what the and he's like, no, I'm joking. <laughs> so he's like, okay, well, the reason I called you is because the owner or because the, so my company, I think they've got like four locations. They got one in, they got the one in Dania, one in Fort Pierce, one in Maryland, I think, or Maine, I think it's Maryland. And then one in New York and the New York 
location is actually they build boats there. So unlike where I work, they just repair and maintain boats over there in New York. They build them. So they got some projects going on and then they need an electrician for January and February. Whoa. <laughs> oh, where is this going? Yeah. So, so I mean, again, like I, this is probably too soon to be talking about it and it, nothing may come of this possibility, but. And then, so you have to find an, an electrician for them to go up there? Yeah, that's so funny, Chimp. Yeah, no. So, so theoretically, they would send me up to New York for about two months to work on some boat. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Which, um, you know, that would be cool because it's it would be an interesting. <laughs> take a bow, take a bow. <laughs> it would be an interesting experience. I would learn a lot. I would meet a lot of people. I would definitely demonstrate a certain kind of versatility and utility to and the company. You'd, and you'd freeze your ass off. Yeah, I'd have to bring, you know, I'm sure it's like not that cold inside the boats, but. Uh, brunch, we're going to need Maybe to uh, install these uh, underwater lights. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I would just do the electrical. Have Underwater lights. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're in the bilge, you know, so, well, whatever. Hopefully the water's not, I mean, hopefully the boat's not in the water. Um, so that kind of leads me or segs me into the next Bitcoin vortex because I'm actually planning that for the end of February, but like from the, I think it's from the 21st until the 28th. So if this ends up happening and if I'm there for like, let's say the all of January and February, then I'm going to end up missing my own uh, Bitcoin vortex, which I'm like very okay with. Um, I don't do these things. Well, I don't do the Bitcoin vortex for me. Like I do brunch for me to try to meet Bitcoiners. And then a lot of the other stuff I do is for the purpose of like helping Bitcoiners meet each other and build Bitcoin communities. So, you know, having a Bitcoin vortex, even if I'm not there would be great. Of course I would love to be there though, because uh, we're, so we're going to do another lightning LARP, but this time Michael Evans, who I'm going to get on the show before that happens. Um, Michael is someone who I met a few years ago um, through my friend Tatiana and uh, Michael's like a developer and he was working on mobile apps. And I don't know, I, I would like to think that I influenced him to kind of take Bitcoin development a little more seriously. And so he's, uh, you know, he's been trying to contribute to Bitcoin stuff. And I think he, you know, he sort of more recently saw lightning as a possibility. And I mean, I think it was you who reminded me that he was here watching live when Derek was talking, you know, when Derek was on the show. So that I think that also probably influenced him. So he has actually built a um, visualization for the Lightning LARP. So when people are, you know, the way the Lightning LARP works is that it's essentially a Lightning test net. So everyone can have Bitcoin and then they can create Lightning channels with each other in this test net. But the visual visualizer would show you the channels and their connections and it create, you know, so that's kind of cool. Um, and so we're going to be doing our second, um, you know, second attempt at the Lightning LARP during the Bitcoin vortex, we're going to do, um, you know, another Bitcoin barbecue and Jay had his field day today. So I told him that he should integrate field day with the Bitcoin barbecue so that when we do the barbecue, we'll also have like all of these sort of family activities. And hopefully like the idea is to try to get more Bitcoiners with families to come out because oftentimes that is a reason why they won't come out. It's like, you know, oh, 
you know, I'd love to come, but I've got kids, you know, and the weekend is the only time I can spend with them. So it's like, okay, well, if we create a circumstance, like say, let's say next week when we're doing the field trip to the fruit and spice park for their, you know, tropical winter adventure or whatever it's called, you know, it gives an opportunity to like, Hey, you don't have that excuse anymore because you can bring your kids. It's a family friendly environment. You know, they can do a picnic. It's going to be educational. It's going to be, you know, pleasant. So then the real excuses come out. Well, no, it's because to me, it's not about the excuses. It's about like the people who show up, like the people who actually like I'm creating circumstances for the people who genuinely don't come because of family. If that's just an excuse, then I don't care about that person and I don't want them to come. Like, I don't want their excuses. Wow. I don't, what do you mean? Like, it's just, I, I'm so tired of people wasting my time. Like, I, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but people will tell me like, you know, they'll come to brunch like one time and they'll say, Oh, I'll be back next week. Or I'm going to come every Sunday. And I'm like, why are you saying this to me? Like, why are you putting expectations in my mind about your behavior? Like, I don't care what you do with your life. I don't care if you come to brunch. I don't care if you don't come to brunch. Like if you come to brunch, we can talk, we can get, you know, we can have uh, conversations, we can get to know each other, but if you don't come to brunch, then we can't have those things. And both of those scenarios are okay. So don't fill my mind with the idea that you are going to come and then like they don't come, well, you know, so <laughs> who broke your heart? I've hosted over 125 brunches. So I've just had a lot of people bullshit me for some reason at the, when they're leaving, like, Oh, I'm going to come back. And I'm like, like, why are you telling Like, you're not, you're not coming back and that's okay. That's typical bullshit you say. It's like when you say hi to someone and, you know. But I'm tired of bullshit. And I'm tired of bullshitting. Called humans. Yeah, well. Social humans. Screw those people. What if they really told you what they thought about you? So, like, that's okay. We don't all have to get along. We don't all have to like each other. And in fact, if we would be more honest about how we felt about each other... It would be easier to not get in each other's way. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, you need to shave. Oh, okay. All this right here. Thank you. Oh, my, the neck beard. <laughs> yeah. Come oh, on. Gosh. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to bring a razor next time. No, they're going to have to pay me three more dollars an hour if they want me to shave on a regular basis. All right. Next. What's next? <laughs> What's next? I'm trying to keep the, the flow going. Wow. You're such a. You said you had this giant list. So I'm just. Yeah, but you told me not to look at it. Okay, well, perfect. Well, what's next, next on your list head head list? Uh-huh. So anyway, so so there's this uh, there's this electronic device yeah, something, tester. Something he wants to buy, people. Something he wants to buy. And I've wanted to buy Alert. it for a long time. I've wanted to buy it for a long time. You see, honey, there's this really really cool like tool years. set. It's made in Germany, first of all. No, this and one's made. It's probably made in. I don't know where it's made. Maybe like Taiwan or Korea, but. It's a wire tracer. So basically you attach one end to a circuit somehow, like, so it could be at the circuit breaker or it could be like at a, an outlet or, you know, so you attach this device and it essentially sends a signal on the, on the line that another device can read. And it's a bit, basically like a beep, you know, like a beep, beep, beep. And then when you get closer, usually the devices will beep more like beep, 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 beep. And then when you're, you know, like when you're further away, they'll beep less or the beeping will go away. That's a Geiger counter for electrical wires. Yeah. And the, the, the use of it is to be able to trace the path of a wire when it's like going behind walls, when it's under the ground, etc. So this is very useful in all kinds of electrical troubleshooting and installation, blah, blah, blah. 
And this device, I think when I first started looking at it about two and a half years ago or so, they were selling it for about $1,600. <laughs> and more recently, once the pandemic kind of like really had its way with the supply chain, the price went up to over $1,800. So like most of the time I've been looking at this device, it's been for $1,800. And then today out of the blue, Black Friday sale. <laughs> Today, some some vendor on Amazon. Is, How much did you spend? Is, well, this is this, this. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Um, some vendor is selling it for like twelve fifty. So they're taking like five hundred dollars off this device, and I'm like, oh god, I gotta buy it then. And so I try to buy it with my Amazon um, credit card. And I oh, <laughs> full circle. Okay. And, I, and I haven't had the Amazon credit card for very long. Um, it's pretty new. And so I don't have a very large credit limit. And you might recall that I recently bought a new phone with my Amazon credit card. So, you know, for some reason, like Amazon, even though the credit card is linked to my account and like Amazon just, okay, they take the purchase and they're like, okay, yeah, everything's great. And then like 30 seconds later, they're like, your payment has just been declined. Kidding. That's happened to me so many times. Yeah, I didn't have enough uh, credit on my Amazon account. And you know what? All for the better, I guess. All for the better. Oh, man. I've been spending way too much money lately. You are living the life, Brunch. Wow. Oh, my God. What's next? The Porsche, the Ferrari, no. the helicopter to, to get be, to in between New York? Because like at the same time as I bought my phone, I also bought this electrical uh, like connection crimper. $170 for this tool, which is like maybe like a more reasonable version would be like $60. So I paid like three times more for this device that I also wanted for like two years. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. So but do you have like an Excel file checklist with all the tools you want and then the ones you've collected? So, I mean, I do. Like a Pokedex? But I haven't updated it in a while. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so there was an interesting little thing that kind of happened. Um this week and maybe it was only for like half a day or so, but so Twitter came out with a, an AI thing, an AI chat bot service, whatever you want to call it called Grok. And Grok was supposed to be the grittier, uh, no bullshit, you know, response to the woke chat GPT, version. So apparently there were different levels to this Grok service. And depending on what your relationship was with Twitter, you would have a different level of access to this, to this service and like high level influencers apparently had a version of this Grok that allowed them to get information about other people's private like data. So the example that was used was someone asked for someone else's unsent drafts. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, so they were like, you know, give me... That's worse than dick pics. <laughs> so like, give me a list of this person's, you know, like uh, unsent drafts. And then it did. And then the person confirmed like, yeah, those are my drafts. That's fucked up. And it was revealed though, like that this was only at a certain level. So like lower levels of people who had access to this grok could not do that. But if you had a high level of access, you could do that. So 
this is a great segue into something that I had already thought about before that even came up in the news was the idea that because of the fact that these LLMs are trained on massive amounts of data, you've got to imagine that they probably have a lot of secrets. Mm-hmm. They probably have a tremendous amount of secrets, perhaps even secrets that people like most people don't even realize. Like you got to imagine that there are clues in the internet in different places that if you had access to all of those different bits of information at the same time, you would be able to discern or, or infer, you know, like secrets with a high level of, of uh, confidence. But because we as humans don't, you know, aren't seeing all these different things at the same time, we can't do that. But the AI, the large language models, as that's literally what it does is it just consumes large amounts of data. I think that this is going to be a huge issue in the future. It's going to be like the potential for blackmail and manipulation and all kinds of stuff from all of these services is just, that's why we should own our own data. Absolutely. Own our own data. And then also, I mean, run our own LLMs. Um, You know, I, I still hold out hope that I'm going to find people willing to go in with me on this $16,000 um, a device called the tiny box that will train LLMs. And so then I don't have to rely on, or that, you know, me and the other people who buy this device would not have to rely on these third party services. We would be able to run our own train can't, them ourselves. And you can't run, run one on your umbral or it's, it's, it's still pulling from these the, things, the cloud. Well, it's, it's just that. So these, these LLMs, to some extent are only as good as the data you train them on. And an aspect of that is not just the quality of data, but also the quantity. So to be able to train them to a very high level of utility, you need a tremendous amount of data. And so no, like a, like a raspberry Pi is not going to be able to, to, to adequately train an LLM to make it do the kind of stuff that people want to do with them. Um, and then I, I think we are definitely coming towards, I'm still confident that we're going to have an AI crash. It just seems inevitable to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. It is inevitable to me. An economic AI crash. <laughs> I would say. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think AI. Okay. And I don't even like calling it AI. I'd rather call it LLM. It's more appropriate to call it LLM. AI has all kinds of, you know, like connotation to it. Hello, Dave. <laughs> um, hello, Captain. Hello, Chimp. Uh, it, so the LLM is not going anywhere. I just think that the the idea that people have right now that this is going to be the future of making money. No, I think it's going to change a lot of things. Like, I definitely think it's going to eliminate a lot of jobs. I'm not pessimistic. I don't think it's going to... on net eliminate jobs. I think it's going to eliminate jobs that we don't need humans to be doing. And then it's going to free them up to do other things if they don't have the ego, you know, because this is the problem that so many people have is this ego that, and it's, it's so strange too, because it's sort of like a, it's this kind of masochistic ego where someone doesn't believe that they can do anything useful other than the one thing that they happen to be doing. 
True. But <laughs> it's like AI is going to take away my, my job. I'm like, okay, so then get another job. Oh, but then I, you know, I don't have any other skills. It's like, okay, well then retrain yourself. It's like, oh, I can't retrain myself. Like, what do you mean? Like, then you're just going to die. Like, you're just going to be a bum on the yeah. street. You're just going to like suck the teat of society. I mean, most people are older, and yeah, they definitely don't want to retrain themselves. I, I I see it at work <laughs> when new stuff comes out, like those. Older people who have been with the company longer, but they should know more. But things change, and they just can't catch up, keep up with the new, newer changes. Someone younger, or someone not even a younger, yeah, but also just it's someone who doesn't already have all of that 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 stuff That's in their brain, thing. right? Like they oh haven't already adapted God. to the old way, so it's easier for them to adapt. The to old this. school cats are so annoying. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not how you're supposed to do it, but it fucking changed. Like, <laughs> get on the fucking ball. You're gonna get fired. You know, like, so yeah, for sure. But um, what do you mean by jobs people shouldn't be be doing anyway? Well, I mean, a lot of things by that, a lot of things, including, but not limited to, uh, lawy- lawyers, like people shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> and so I definitely, I definitely hope and think that remember you're meeting a lawyer tomorrow. So the LLM, unless, no, unless, unless you Tuesday. want them, unless you Tuesday, want them to raise the price on you, don't talk too much, <laughs> too much smack. Um, no, I it's, it's again, think about it. You, you want to rely on one individual to, Oh gosh, what's wrong with this coffee? I don't know. It just, it just it doesn't taste like, I think it's the bottom of the barrel. That's why. Also, oh, they need so to refill it maybe. There's a lot more of the oils at the bottom. It's not in mix as well. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, sorry. What the hell was I even saying? <laughs> Something about lawyers and they shouldn't oh, exist. Oh yeah. It's just that, so you want to rely on one human being to, you're hoping that they're very, very knowledgeable about a particular subject or about all of the relevant case law and that they remember it all to a high degree. It's just, it's, it's the perfect sort of use case for an LLM. I suppose, but also like that's, that's something that's like, it's, it's more of a competition and you're trying to win versus, you know, like, okay, that's the reality of it. But the, but, the idea of it is that it's it's not supposed to be a competition. It's supposed to be a a process for discovering facts. Yeah, but so yeah. so at least in some sense, if the AI is able to aid in the process of discovering facts, or on a much more practical concern, if the AI is able to save you a tremendous amount of time. Right. Like if the lawyer, if it would take the lawyer 10 hours to write a brief, but the AI can do it in five minutes and then the lawyer can spend, you know, instead of spending 10 hours, they can spend 50 minutes reviewing the brief or four hours instead of 10 hours. I mean, this is the kind of thing that's just, it's not as though what most of, of what lawyers are doing is some sort of creative, uh, you, you know, creative artistic endeavor. No, but most then, of what lawyers are doing is reviewing facts. And they wouldn't make as much money. I don't give two shits about, I t- we're getting rid of them. We're getting rid of them. They're not going to make any money is what I'm saying. They're not going to make any <laughs> money. Lawyers, I like, spent all these hours writing this brief, you know, and I charge $300 per hour versus, okay, I spent an hour reading what the AI wrote. Yeah, but <laughs> now you can read, you, you can review eight briefs in one day instead of, you know, one brief in a day and then, you know, two hours of the next day. 
I just, to me, I think that it's going to, all right, but it's going to provide so much productivity and efficiency for people who make, you know, good use of it, that it's going to blow everyone else out of the water. Like people who don't use it are going to become so inefficient in comparison. As long as we, we can make tea off by 12, I'm, I'm down. And we definitely will because the AI is going to know that about you. <laughs> it's not going to know anything. Obviously AI does not know things. Again, I don't even like that term. I should say LLM. But they know your unsent drafts. Ooh, what? I wonder <laughs> what Captain Brunch's unsent drafts contain. I don't think I have any unsent drafts right now. Nothing too crazy anyways. I send all the craziest tweets. Is that an oxymoron? I mean, unsent drafts. A draft is unsent by its nature. Like, are there sent drafts? It wouldn't be a draft anymore. Well, I don't, I don't know what to tell you about no, that. No, we're not Ironside. We are Ironside. Ooh. No, we're at Bitcoin Grove, which is at, um, made at the Citadel. That's our new, new location for Bitcoin Grove. But if you're coming art, you could bring pizza from Ironside. Yeah. Well, there's also a pizza place across the street. That's not too bad. Um, oh gosh, you, you, man, you made me lose my train of thought. I was about to say something interesting. Awesome. All right. Next. There <laughs> uh, was this, um, did you know that the Supreme Court is, I was like listening to something about the Supreme Court and I'm going to have uh, some links. I mean, I have a bunch there was of just some, just some decision just came down, right? Maybe. I don't recall. I remember it was. Um, oh, what was it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it was a big one too, but it was kind of like just hidden. Oh, I can't remember. Now you're starting to make me think of it too. But what I wanted to bring up was the fact that Supreme Court arguments are only an hour long. <laughs> what are you talking about? So oh, Chimp is, is, trying to, is trying to look something up now. And of course, since we're not a video well, podcast, I mean, yeah. no one can see that. So he's just saying curse words in the, in the ether. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like they deliberate and then they like, so like the Supreme Court ar argument would just be their... No, so so a, a, a Supreme Court case, the prosecution has half an hour and the defense has half an hour and that's it. And then the judges can take however long they take. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Now, now I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But so I didn't know that. I thought that was really interesting that, that it's only an hour long and something that I've kind of been thinking to do for a while and then maybe... Next year, if I'm able to, um, like stop working like my normie job, I might take on this hobby. I would love to start listening to the Supreme court hearings. That would just be so interesting to see what these people talk about because it's, it's completely unlike the kind of court processes that you see on, you know, TV court procedurals, uh, you know, like criminal prosecution, that kind of stuff. Like it's completely different. It's much more casual somehow. It's like very conversational between the Supreme court justices and the lawyers. It's like, it's, it's just very conversational. It's not, you know, it's not so rigid, which I just find so fascinating. And I mean, these cases, I mean, have been argued a ton of time. Yeah, of course. Right. There. So it's kind of like, okay, let's cut all the bullshit. I'll just get straight to the point. And, uh, I want to have some like, 
Oh, Sinead, o- no, not Sinead O'Connor. She's a performer. It was um, Sandra Day O'Connor. Sandra Day O'Connor. She died. And so she was in the news recently. And so there was, I'm going to have some clips. I mean, I can pull them up now, but you're telling me not to look at my thing. I think how, how much, how much show have we done so far? We're about to hit an hour. Oh, okay. So you know what? I'm going to save all these clips for the future since you made me not look at my notes. I got a lot of interesting clips. We can keep going. I don't care. Got a lot of it. Okay. So let's do, um, let me pull up one of these links. Oh, how am I going to send it to you? You got any pizza? <laughs> What? You got any pizza? Why why would I have any pizza? I don't know. I mean, you have pineapples, you have whatever's in that thing, you might have pizza. It doesn't hurt to ask. Ugh, this is I'm, I'm just I'm just food to you. I'm just food to you. A source of sustenance. Okay, let's see. Um, I'm gonna have to send this to Chimp. All right, so Well, while this guy dilly daddles. I'll put some music No, on. I already sent you the link. Oh. All right. So uh, it, as people might know, I, I, wa- I listen to the C-SPAN daily um, podcast. So they kind of do a review of the news of the day. And one of the things that was on the 5th, was on their podcast for the 5th of December, they were featuring uh, something that had to do with Kamala Harris. And I just... Um, I guess let's listen to the clip first and then I'll talk about it afterwards. I don't think it needs too much setup because they kind of talk about everything in the clip itself. This is a historic day. Vice President Harris has cast more tie-breaking votes than anyone in America's long and storied history. She's done a great job and without her tie-breaking votes, not only would we, not just today is historic, we wouldn't have had the All right, so... We're going to finish the clip in just a moment, but okay. So this is Chuck Schumer, the Democrat head of the, of the Senate, and he's congratulating Kamala Harris on having broken more ties in the Senate than any other vice president in history. And they're like proud of this. So let's keep, let's keep this going. IRA, we wouldn't have had the rescue plan. We wouldn't have had so many of the good judges and appointees we've had. So no one deserves this more than she does. It is my honor to present the golden gavel to Vice President Harris on this great day, 32 tie-breaking votes. The golden gavel. Thank you. I'm honored. I am truly honored. And history, the history that we have made, all of us, when I think about the tie-breaking votes that I've had the honor and pride to cast, um, whether it be the Inflation Reduction Act and what that has meant in terms of an historic investment in addressing the climate crisis. I think the deal was, okay, we'll make you vice president, but you don't get any riders. (laughs) Um, What it has meant in terms of capping insulin at $35 a month for our seniors, what it has meant in terms of supporting small businesses and small business owners, and of course today, what it has meant in terms of confirming now our 161st judge to the federal bench. So I'm truly honored and proud to have been able to do this, and I thank you leadership for your leadership and all your appropriate. So, I mean, the, the whole reason I brought this link, I mean, this, uh, clip up uh, other than the fact that you know to like listen to how dumb Kamala Harris usually sounds even though I mean I know she's not a dumb person she's a lawyer she's a prosecutor of the of the oh my god golden gavel but to me this is a perfect example 
of, of well, two things, actually. One, it, it exemplifies how, how by, um, how partisan, you know, the, the, the Congress is right now, because the fact that she has broken more ties than any other vice president in history means that this is the most divided Senate in history, that no True. other vice president has had to break more ties. So, so so that in that one sense, it demonstrates that. But then the other thing that this exemplifies is the fact that these psychotic, demonic people are going to sell this horror show of, of a broken government as being some sort of like historic achievement. So <laughs> <laughs> like to me, this is the sickness. This is like the crazy thing about what's going on. It's like the, like the. He's, she's getting, what was it? The golden hammer? Like whose golden head is she going to, the golden gavel? Who's like, whose head is she going to bash with this gavel? This is what I want to know. <laughs> it's like, we want to congratulate, you know, our police department for putting away the most criminals or, or killing the, the, the most criminals. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's like more appropriate. Like killing the most criminals. Like really, this is what you guys are proud of. This is the height of your achievements. Nah, people. Nah. All right, so you know, want to do a little bit more of this uh, bipartisan hackery because there's some funny things going on in this uh, world. Uh, let me get the next link here. Which one do I want to do? Uh, too many. I just noticed that's an exposed wire. Oh, don't even get there. me started. I think I, I, I think it might be live too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Want to test it? No, no, no. Okay. Oh, this is a great one. So you can make your hair stand. <laughs> I okay. wouldn't even have to touch it. So this was not from the C-SPAN podcast. Um, this was from uh, well, from a congressional hearing, and basically, this is. Um, let me try to remember the context of this for a moment. Um. They are, you know, I don't even remember the context of this. This is a Senate hearing and this, you know, the Senate is responsible. Well, this, the Senate judiciary committee hearing and the Senate judiciary committee is responsible for making recommendations on judicial appointments. Um, this right now, the Senate judiciary hearing is like, is the Senate's um, committee in control of the Hunter Biden investigation stuff. Um, in theoretically, they would also be in charge of like the, any kind of Trump sort of investigation stuff. Um, and so in this particular meeting, there was something about, there was, they were making a proposal. They were proposing two people to be judges and the Republicans did not want these people to be judges. But of course the Democrats have a, have a majority somehow, right? Like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me because they're 50, 50, but somehow they have a majority tiebreaker like how do they have a majority in a committee i don't know but yeah right so this is like the the, the corruption of these parties so the dick durbin who is the the committee chair he basically cuts off any debate in this particular hearing and he's basically arguing that we already debated this and we don't need to debate this again but the republicans are like no we have to debate this again like you have to let us talk about it so anyways let's play the clip and see how insane this is and see how much um you see how much of this we can we can handle. 
We're moving to the subpoena authorization. We've considered the nominees. First is Judge Mustafa Kashubai, nominated to the U.S. District Court for the District of Oregon. The clerk will call the roll. Mr. Chairman, are we going to have an opportunity to speak on the nominees? Yes, we're going to. Oh, I'm sorry. We already had done Okay, that. pause it. That's Mr. Durbin to you. Yeah, so I want you to back that up just a couple of seconds and listen to this again. So, so Lindsey Graham... In fact, just let's start the clip from the beginning again, because I really want anyone who's listening to this to understand what's going on. Lindsey Graham, who is the, you know, he's the, the lead Republican on this committee, and he asks the chair, he says, are we going to be able to, to make comment on this? And at first, because uh, Dick Durbin is an old windbag and his brain barely works, he's like, oh, yeah, of course, we're going to talk about this. And then he's like, oh, w w wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then he goes like full retard. So let's go ahead and see what <laughs> let's, let's listen to this again. Before moving to the subpoena authorization, we've considered the nominees. First is Judge Oh, wait, Mustafa. hold on, man. <laughs> Sorry, Chimp. And those subpoena, um, those subpoenas are subpoenas for people in the Hunter Biden investigation. So, like, before we move on to talking about the Hunter Biden investigation, let's finish doing these um, judicial nominees. All right. I'm just a chimp in the corner pressing buttons. <laughs> before moving to the subpoena authorization, we've considered the nominees. First is Judge Mustafa Kashubai. Nominated to the U.S. District Court for the District of Oregon. The clerk will call the roll. Mr. Chairman, are we going to have an opportunity to speak on the nominees? Yes, oh, that wasn't Lizzie Graham. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. We've already had done that. We've already at done great that. Length. At great well, length. I think um, this deserves some commentary, um, given the nature of the nominee. And uh, I'd like to ask. There's someone to right speak next to Dick Durbin telling Senator, him to do stuff. We've debated these two nominees twice. Mr. Chairman, I would also like to speak on the nomination. I, I understand what you'd like to do, but I'm saying that in <laughs> fairness, we have debated these nominees. In fairness. Twice. I ask the clerk to call the roll. Mr. Chairman, Mr. you're Chairman. denying us an All opportunity right. to Mr. speak Come on, on a nominee. Man. I mean, third time, no. Okay. Come on, do man. This. Just we don't do have it. a right to speak under the rules? Under the third, uh, the third time, I'd say no. So you're, so you're just going to make it up? So you, yeah. I'd like to There's going to be a lot to, of consequences like coming here. To, Mr. You're going to have a lot of consequences coming if you go down this road. You better I've cautioned believe you. I've cautioned a lot of you. The clerk will call the rule. Listen to me. I've cautioned a lot of you. Babies. <laughs> Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, don't we get the opportunity to speak? We're in a roll call. So you're even, telling even us to shut up? Even though multiple members You want members us have asked to, to shut up? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? A lot of people didn't speak on the two nominees before. We've done. Would, would you raise your hand if you did not speak? I did uh, not have a chance. Okay. Corn didn't even have a chance to speak. He's trying to make tea time. Senator Blackburn <laughs> had a chance to speak. That's We've not what he's trying folks, to do. Mr. Chairman, who didn't have a chance to speak. We want to tell you again why these nominees are awful. Mr. Welch. Or in Senator Corn's case, tell you for the first time. You're just going to sit there and ignore us? Senator Blackburn, have you spoken on these nominees? I've not had the opportunity like to? to speak. I would like very much to speak on Mr. Casabai. I urge you to let Senator Blackburn speak. Mr. Grant. This dude here on Facebook. <laughs> must be terrible for her, her knees. Oh, this lady, the photographer? Yeah. Geez. She must have to do like physical therapy to keep her knees good. Or she uh, has some like little pads. So, you know, I, I'm really trying to discern what I think, what I, what I believe is really going on here. Because I got to imagine that to some extent the Republicans. Yeah, I got to <laughs> imagine that to some extent the Republicans knew this was going to happen. But on, an, on the other hand, like maybe they didn't. And because I feel like 
if they didn't know this was going to happen, then they're genuinely annoyed. And what they're annoyed about is the fact that they're not going to have an opportunity to speak their talking points because that's what that's all really about. Because ultimately the chair by calling this roll call and the fact that the the Democrats have a majority in the committee means that, that all of these issues are going to get approved. Like the, these nominees, these nominees are going to get approved. It doesn't matter what these Republicans say. So by not allowing them to say anything, these Republicans don't have any sound clip that they're going to be able to send back, you know, so they're not going to be able to fundraise on this committee. So to me, this is what I really think is going on here. But let's see. Let's just listen a little bit more, you know, and then we'll. Corn as well. Senator Corn hasn't had a chance to speak. That's correct. Point of order, Mr. Chairman, you you can't limit debate without invoking rule four. You haven't done that. We have debated. We, we've de- we've debated on prior occasions when we didn't have a quorum. That vote didn't count. We've got people who are Someone here now who weren't Dick here Durbin then. Some paper. Who'd like to speak? Can we speak on Again, the other nominees? Dick Durbin's just a puppet. <laughs> or, is your, or is your plan just to end all debate today? Is your plan to end all debate? Like the guy you have looks an answer, like, you're going to rely on someone whispering in your ear. What's your like plan? He could barely think, and there's a guy literally whispering in his ear. No. No, and no, he just no, keeps saying not. roll call. And the Republicans are like, okay. no. But of course, Listen, the Republicans have no power. We were so I don't know why he hasn't cut them off. solution to the asylum problem. And they're like screaming in he the background. the committee. And that person's screaming names actually is Mr. the role. Chairman, I, I don't know if you've left us any alternative but to deny the committee a quorum. See, so, th- so now they're threatening. The Republicans are threatening to leave. So deny, so you're not leaving us any option but to deny the committee a quorum. So without a quorum, they can't vote on things. So actually, okay, let's end it here. I just sent you another link. So let's go on to the next link. The next link is from the C-SPAN um, Daily Show podcast. And they actually explain what happens after this and give some context to boost. <laughs> what was? It doesn't work. All right, so let's play this clip from the Washington Today. That's what it's called, the Washington Today C-SPAN podcast for this November 30th. So obviously this is a, you know, a little more than a week ago, and they're basically giving context for what happened in the clip that we played so far as well as afterwards, because what happens afterwards is, and, and we just ended that clip with one of the Republicans saying, are we going to have to deny the committee a quorum? Senate Judiciary Committee Republicans, writes Politico, walked out of the committee to boycott a vote authorizing subpoenas for information from conservative activists and donors about their ties to conservative Supreme Court justices. The panel voted 11 to 0 to authorize subpoenas for conservative judicial activist Leonard Leo and Texas billionaire Harlan Crow on their close personal and financial relationships with some justices, with no Republicans left in the room besides the ranking member Lindsey Graham. Graham exited once the vote was underway and did not vote. Subpoenas are part of an ongoing investigation into ethics at the Supreme Court and how undisclosed gifts and personal ties between major activists, donors, and justices may have granted access to individuals and groups with business before the court. That was from Politico. Here is some of what happened today. Senator Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois, committee chair, said he did not think that the court's recent issuance of ethical guidelines for justice went far enough and that it did not have an enforcement mechanism And that made the committee's work on this issue still relevant. The committee's investigation of the court's ethical crisis and these subpoenas in particular are key pieces of our legislative effort to establish an effective code of conduct. My Republican colleagues claim our efforts are motivated by my disagreement with court's recent decisions. 
but I first asked Chief Justice Roberts in writing to address the court's lack of enforceable code of conduct 11 years ago. And an enforceable code of conduct would apply to all nine justices appointed by presidents of both parties. One Republican claimed that I'm, quote, opening Pandora's box, but I'm only seeking subpoenas for two people who have refused to comply with this committee's oversight request for months. Contrast this with the Republicans' unprecedented subpoena authorization in 2020 for a crossfire hurricane investigation. They provided the chair with blanket authorization to subpoena more than 50 named persons and an unlimited number of unnamed persons. Unlimited. In that case, committee Democrats circulated 22 amendments, 16 of which we offered for a vote. The vast majority of those amendments related directly to the subject matter of the subpoena authorization. In contrast, today, committee Republicans have circulated 177 amendments, the vast majority of which have nothing to do with the Supreme Court ethics crisis. Both Leonard Leo and Harlan Crow are central players in this crisis. Their attempts to thwart the le- legitimate oversight efforts of the Congress should concern all of us. Democrat. Yes. Yeah, so this is from a different p- point in the meeting. And, you know, basically what he's, you know, he's arguing, oh, well, you know, you guys did it. So nothing wrong with us doing it. And then I, I, I mistook the subpoenas. It wasn't for Hunter Biden. It was for, as he mentioned, you know, the Supreme Court investigation. Um, so now, you know, why don't we just hear the clip that they're going to play for? So usually what they do on this podcast is they'll often start with like, you know, one party and then they'll do another part. Like they usually do like the head person from one party and then the head person from the other party on any particular issue, oftentimes followed by a few voices of like some kind of like random lower ranking uh, party members. But so, so let's hear what the Republicans says. efforts of the Congress should concern all of us. Democratic Senator Dick Durbin, Judiciary Committee Chair. All Republicans on the committee opposed the subpoenas. Here is John Cornyn of Texas asking a question to the ranking member, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. These are private citizens that the uh, majority of the committee seeks to subpoena, correct? Senator Graham? Yes. Are you familiar with any legitimate legislative purpose for subpoenaing private citizens? I think this is a charade politically motivated to attack the integrity of the Roberts Court, to act on what they said they wanted to do to destroy Clarence Thomas's reputation. I think if they really cared about the ethics practices of the court, we would be looking into Sotomayor's situation, Justice Sotomayor, where staff members apparently called people, you need to sell some books if she's gonna speak. So yeah, I think this is all politically motivated. I think the two private citizens involved, particularly Leonard Leo is uh, at the top of the the guy I hate most list in the conservative world. I think this is uh, despicable what they're doing to these people. I think it's bad for the country. I think this is a joke simply because the bill to fix the problem they claim it exists, we can't, they won't even bring it up to the floor. So this is an investigation of private citizens, Senator Cornyn, that I think is politically motivated, not legislatively motivated, because if you wanted to pass legislation, you've already done it out of committee. All you got to do is bring it to the floor. You're in charge. So no, I think it's patently obvious. There's no legislative purpose. This is designed to get people they don't like and try to destroy Clarence Thomas. 
Republican Senators Lindsey Graham and John Cornyn of the Judiciary Committee went on to authorize the subpoenas for Leonard Leo and Harlan Crow on a vote of 11 to 0. Republicans walked out of the room and did not vote. Both Leonard Leo and a spokesperson for Harlan Crow saying they don't plan to comply. Well, with so these. I think that was pretty much it. So, yeah, so besides the finger pointing and the, you know, like, you, well, you did it. Now we're going to do it. That was the important thing. So they did. The Republicans left the room. And so once they left the room, that means that the committee didn't have any quorum and then they weren't able to do any more business. Um, and then so I wonder then if that means that perhaps that vote was we pay these people. Oh, my God. And like pretty good money, too. Not like amazing money, but pretty good money. <laughs> it must be tough. I mean, you know, trying to sell books and stuff, you know. Well, you know, so with with um, Sotomayor, the whole thing was like, if you wanted her to speak at an event, then you had to like essentially pre-order a certain number of copies of her book. That was the way the scam was working. And this is like not a new scam. Yeah. <laughs> this is such an old scam. Like politicians have been doing this kind of thing and other kinds of media personalities have been doing this kind of thing um, for years. So that's nothing new. Um, okay. So why don't we, um, I got Let's, let's change it up a little bit. I've been subscribing to uh, Glenn Greenwald's little thingamajigger. And uh, he recently did a story. He was talking about media bias. And so I wanted to play this clip and talk a little bit about it and get your thoughts, Chimp, about what you think about what he's going to say about media bias. I, I find this kind of, um, I don't know, I find this a little uh, an interesting take. One of the major culprits in all of this has been the corporate media. And I've talked many times before about how people like to debate what is the ideological bias of the corporate media. I was thinking about this recently, in fact, when if you ask supporters of Israel, they will tell you that the New York Times is one of the most viciously anti-Israeli, pro-Palestinian newspapers on the planet. But if you ask pro-Palestinian activists, they will tell you the New York Times is a fanatically Zionist uh, newspaper that's owned by a family, the Salzberger family, that are fanatical supporters of Israel. They editorialize in favor of Israel. And it made me realize that people love to complain about the media being biased. Everyone insists the media is being biased. I've never once heard, never once, Anyone say the media is biased, but on this particular important issue, it's biased in favor of my view. Everyone always thinks the media is against it, against them, everybody. But when people argue, is the media a, a bias toward the left, is a bias toward the right? I do think on cultural issues and the like, you can have that debate, and they're clearly biased toward the left. On culture war issues like abortion and LGBT issues and gun control, those sorts of things. But on issues of war and foreign policy, it's absolutely not a bias of the left or the right. The bias is subservience to the security state. They describe to their viewers and propagandize their readers on behalf of the vision of the US security state. And I can show you so many examples, so many examples, where the CIA would overthrow a democratically elected government in a particular country and the media in the United States, Time Magazine under Henry Luce, which was very influential in the Cold War, and the New York Times and the Washington Post, and to this day they do the same. They would describe the overthrow of a democratically elected government 
and the imposition of a, of a dictatorship as an advancement of democracy. They would say the people rose up and overthrew their corrupt dictators and it's a vindication of democracy. Even though it was the CIA overthrowing the government, the leaders that those people had elected democratically, that's how Orwellian the media was in hand, going hand in hand with these policies. So, you know, and, and this narrative is actually, he was talking about the, the death of Henry Kissinger. So I think, you know, he ends with like a, a great succinct kind of point is that there were many countries in Latin America, in Asia, in Africa, where our government overthrew and also the Caribbean and other places that our CIA and other agencies overthrew democratically elects, you know, so to speak, democratically elected governments, you know, to promote their own, to promote the, the national interests of the U S whatever the hell that means in those particular instances. And, and again, it's funny because they are, they are, the media paints a narrative, which is as Glenn Greenwald points out, like completely false. And it, it like turns the reality up on its head uh, as we were kind of talking about like earlier on the show with, with the other example, like in this case, it's, they are overthrowing democracies, but they are claiming that, that, that the act of overthrowing a democracy is a victory for democracy. And so, you know, I just thought that was kind of interesting, both his, his opening, the idea that, everyone thinks that the media is biased against them, but then, right. but then switching to the idea that the media is biased for, towards the, the state in the way it represents our foreign policy. No, I completely agree. I mean, and it was much easier when people were just reading newspapers about the subject, especially yeah. in the eighties. <laughs> so and yeah. then that's just what people would repeat. Oh, well the New York times says this and that. And there is still a tremendous amount of repeating. I mean, I just... Of course. And, I, then, and then those, those companies go in, into those countries, you know, or the, the, the new people in power are favorable to those different American companies there. And like, you know, like banana companies or something like that, especially in Latin America, fruit companies, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that takes a lot of stuff off my list. I don't want to, I don't want to go over everything at this point because I'm going to start making myself fatigued. I've got plenty of stuff to bring up next week. That's for sure. <laughs> How you feeling, Chip? I'm good. I'm a little hungry, but. Great. Well, let's uh, take care of that in the near future. So today is December 9th of 2023. We are coming to you from the storage closet of Bitcoin Grove in Miami, Florida. I have been Captain Brunch. And still sliding them sliders, faders, button pusher, chimp over here signing out. I'll see you next week, Brunch. Hasta luego. All right. I don't want to say peace because Jay stole my peace last time. <laughs>